What's up, folks? This is John Lorant, and this is Anesthesia Guidebook. This is episode number 102, Marriage in Anesthesia School with Brad and Madison Markham. This show is coming out on Saturday, January 13th, 2024. Brad Madison Markham, join me today to talk about the dynamics of being married and going to anesthesia school together. They met in nursing school, had divergent paths professionally for a bit, with Brad starting nurse practitioner school and Madison considering anesthesia school. They ended up sharing the same goal of becoming CRNAs, and we talked through their approach to applying together and getting into the University of Evansville together and working through the program alongside one another. Now, this isn't the first time I've had a show on marriage or relationships in anesthesia school. I want to remind you of the couple other ones that we've done uh, to, you know, kind of build a little bit of a series if this is an interesting uh, topic thread for you. So way back in episode 15, I talked with Jenny and Robert Montague about what it's like for the significant others of anesthesia residents. Ginny has her Master of Science in Nutrition and works as a registered dietitian and supported Robert and their two kids while he attended the University of New England's anesthesia program. I'm stoked to say that I still get to work closely alongside Robert. He actually just became the chair of our education committee, our CRNA education committee at Maine Medical Center, and I'm so glad uh, to be able to watch their family continue to thrive here in Portland, Maine. And then in episode 50, I caught up with Lynn and Nate Wooden to talk specifically about parenting in anesthesia school. Nate is a family therapist and supported Lynn and their two kids while she also went through the University of New England's anesthesia program. They both still also live here in Portland, Maine, and uh, Lynn works within the Maine health system a little bit south of Portland down in Biddeford at Southern Maine Healthcare. So in this episode, Brad and Madison Markham talk about what it's like to both get into and work through anesthesia school together. We're planning for this to be the first of a short series of conversations with them as they progress through their program. They're just finishing their first year of training and have yet to start clinicals, so I plan to touch base with them down the road to see how that phase of the program goes. Now, folks are often making difficult decisions around when to do anesthesia school. For a couple in my program, the husband went through school two years ahead of his wife, who was in my class, and they overlapped for just one semester. A local couple here in Portland stacked their programs end-to-end, with one of them fully completing the program, and then a semester after that, the other started anesthesia school. That stretched their anesthesia training experience to a full six years as a couple. Sounds atrocious, but they did it, and they were stoked to be done at the end of it. My hope is that this conversation with Brad and Madison helps you and your partner think through the considerations around what you want to do and, or, you know, maybe how it's going if you're already in a program. So a little bit more about Brad and Madison, and then we're going to get right into it. Brad hails from Salem, Illinois, and spent five years as a critical care registered nurse in the cardiothoracic and transplant ICUs at Mayo Clinic prior to starting anesthesia school in the University of Evanville's DNAP program. His clinical interests are regional anesthesia and opioid-sparing anesthetic techniques, with an emphasis on pharmacology and pharmacogenetics. Madison is from Effingham, Illinois, and also spent five years as a critical care registered nurse in the trauma surgical ICU at Mayo Clinic in Rochester prior to anesthesia training. Her clinical interests are regional anesthesia and difficult airway management. 
They are focusing their doctoral project on the functionality and effectiveness of virtual reality training in anesthesia programs and plan to utilize Peter Stalo's Simvana VR platform for research. You may remember my recent conversation with Peter in episode 96 on Simvana and virtual reality in anesthesia education. That's a fascinating discussion on what I, I think will likely become a central element to anesthesia education in years to come, which is virtual reality. So if you haven't checked that out, be sure to go check out Peter and I's conversation on Simvana. And I'm sure when we touch base with Madison and Brad down the road, we'll see how their project with Simvana is going at the University of Evansville. Long-term, Brad and Madison intend to become involved in medical mission trips and create a pediatric charity foundation to provide basic necessities to children in need in their local area following anesthesia school. And with that, let's get to the show. Brad Madison, I'm so stoked to have you on the podcast. Welcome. Hey, John. Thanks for having us. We're looking forward to it. So we're here today to talk a little bit about the process of being married in anesthesia school. So I'm stoked to have this conversation with you. Stoked that we're here. We've been planning this for a few weeks. So uh, I'm excited about that. But tell us a little bit about where you're at for school and kind of where you're at in the program. All right, I'll go first. Um, So we did our uh, undergraduate nursing um, background at uh, Southern Illinois University uh, Edwardsville. And then upon graduation, we moved to uh, Minnesota, to Rochester, and I worked in the cardiothoracic surgery transplant ICU at Mayo Clinic there for about five years. And then Madison can tell you her background. Went to the same school. That's where Brad and I met was at um, Southern Illinois University of Edwardsville. And we decided to move away um, to do our ICU experience just because that'd probably be one of the only times we could kind of be away from family and then come back hopefully sooner later in life. Um, and I worked in a trauma surgical ICU there for five years as well. And then now, right now, we're at University of Evansville CRNA program and we just finished our first year. Nice. Congratulations. Uh, is that that's a DNP, DNAP program? Uh, it is a DNAP program. DNAP program. Great. So uh, tell me a little bit about how, so y- y'all met in nursing school. Is that right? Yes. Awesome. Um, actually, I lived in the dorms my first year and I met one of his best friends and we had such a large nursing class. It was like 180 nursing students. Um, and I was the beginning of, of the alphabet. He was the end. So we never had classes together, but his best friend introduced us. Otherwise we probably would have never met each other if it wasn't for his best friend. <laughs> <laughs> nice. That's exceptional. Was your, is your best friend in the program? How, how did he come into the, he's actually not nursing at all. He just happened to live on the same like wing that I did. But so you and Brad were in the same program, but Brad's best friend knew about you. Yep. Yep. (laughs) All right. All right. I'm putting it together. So where in the process did the two of you get linked up in terms of being a couple? Um, so we actually, um, met at a get together in college. Um, and then we kind of, I told my best friend, I was like, man, that girl's a good looking girl, you know? And he's like, well, he's, she's in the nursing program. How do you not know her? And I was like, I don't know. I just don't know her. And then we kind of went out on a date and kind of hit it off from there. Nice. And when did marriage happen? Uh, October of 2019. 
2019. Wonderful. So you're out of nursing school at that point. Yes. We graduated May of 2017. May of 2017. Nice. Were you a thing like at the end of nursing school? Yeah, I guess we started, we were actually just talking about this the other night because we couldn't remember if we were together for nine or 10 years this like coming month. And I think we decided we've been together for nine. Yeah. <laughs> for nine years. So sometime, right. So you got done. So t- sometime before 2017, you're in nursing school, you start dating, you're still together after nursing school. So take us from nursing school to the decision to go to anesthesia school. What got each of you stoked about anesthesia? Um, so I guess mine was I uh, worked with some great um, cardiac intensivists who were anesthesiologists. Um, and in the back of my mind, you know, I've always thought about acute care nurse practitioner. So I actually started that program at University of Michigan. And, you know, I was going through that program and I was about six months in and I was like, I don't think this is for me. You know, it just didn't really give me the scientific foundation kind of that and the art of anesthesia gives me and talked to some of our anesthesia providers on the unit quite a bit. And they're like, you know, I think your your mindset's more driven towards anesthesia thinking. And that kind of threw a loop in my career or my education um, because I came home, told Madison's like, yeah, I think I'm going to switch from being a nurse practitioner to doing anesthesia. And she's like, seriously? I'm like, yeah, I think so. I think it's more of my career path I want to go. And, you know, I talked to quite a few different anesthesia providers, um, MDs, and as well as fellow uh, CRNAs. And so came home and told her, I was like, I think I'm going to finish the semester out at Michigan and then started applying to CRNA programs. So that's kind of my, my path, how I got into anesthesia. And Madison, were you interested in anesthesia at that point? That was kind of when I started like venturing and wanting to think about going to school. I actually, after nursing school, I never really wanted to go back to school. I was very content with the job that I had. And then COVID happened, which I think COVID changed a lot of people's experience just in nursing. Um, I feel like just the different care model and just different things that you were doing with patients. I just really enjoyed the different aspects that were more anesthesia related. And then I finally was like, you know, I think I would really enjoy doing being a CRNA. And so he kind of came up to me saying that's what he wanted to do. And I was like, I was going to tell you the same thing that I think that's what I want to do. And so it threw me a loop for a loop because he was in school. And then it, I threw him for a loop because I kind of said I never wanted to go back to school. And then I was like, I think this is really what I want to do. And so we were both like, okay, I guess we'll try it together. Wow. Wow. Yeah. So it sounds like Madison, just for the record, you had the idea first. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's funny when I was in undergrad nursing, I was like, man, I'm going to be a CRNA someday. And then I got out, you know, and worked in the ICU. I really liked the whole puzzle piece of the care aspect of treating critically ill patients. I was like, and that's kind of what kind of driven me towards like maybe med school or nurse practitioner. And then I was like, yeah, no, I've got to switch. And then kind of came back full circle again where I was like, oh, I guess I'm going back into anesthesia that I originally thought about in undergraduate nursing. So, yeah. 
All right, that was that was the solid play that you had the idea first, but I'm still not convinced. <laughs> <laughs> so, all right, so y'all have arrived at the idea that you want to go to anesthesia school. So, as a married couple with both people wanting to go to school, that presents a unique challenge, which I think other people will find interesting. So, tell us about your decision making paradigm around who is applying. Does one person go first? Do we both go at the same time? What if we don't get into the same program? Well, I think you were going to start just applying to the same schools and hopefully both getting interviews at the locations. Um, so we applied to some places in Minnesota, which is where we lived. That way, if we needed to, someone could drive to a school and someone could still work at where we worked. And then our second option was hopefully moving back closer to home because that was kind of our end goal was once we have kids and start a family to be closer to home, just because I think family is a big part of our life and being closer to home would be nice. Um, so I guess we started applying and then we started talking about if one of us got in somewhere and the other one didn't, what, what was the end goal or what was the plan? And I had always still really wanted kids and he's giving up an NP career to try to switch doing CRNA. So I feel like to have both fulfillments, I was very okay if he wanted to do school first and then I could be a mom while he went to school. Um, so then we both could have a fulfillment and enjoyment at the same time, but in different paths. Yeah, that's interesting. So walk us from that standpoint to like, you're both in the same program at the same time. So at, at some point that shifted, you both started to apply and then you ultimately got into the same program. We did. That was kind of our big thing is, you know, what happens if one gets in at X place, one gets in at Y place, you know, do we go to school separately or like Madison was um, hinting on that, you know, would she just be a mom? Would I go to school first? So there's quite complex, but then, you know, after we sat down and applied, talked to some directors, um, we got some good guidance and ultimately, found our path path leading to University of Evansville at Dr. Fitch's program. Nice. So walk us through the application process for that school. Did you guys go to the interview at the same time? Did you, were you up front that were married? Was that We've, a factor in conversations with the school? It was. So uh, we are actually on nursing cast looking around at programs and we're kind of putting our list together of which ones we're applying to. And we applied to, I think, three schools, four schools. And we, I reached out to Dr. Fitch, who's the director there at University of Evansville. And I was like, hey, you know, we're just looking at your program. Can you tell us more about it? And then she's like, oh, I see that you started your application here. And then she's like, I just have to ask, is your wife or sister going to the program too? Like I see another Markham from Minnesota. And I was like, no, that's my wife, actually. She's like, oh, interesting. She, you know, she even said, she's like, it's really hard for a husband and wife to get into the program together because there's only so many spots. So that led us to still applying there. And we ended up finding out that we got interviews and we both interviewed the same day, but we were in different time slots. So we actually okay. didn't interview together per se. I think yep. that was an hour later. So, yep. yep. Did they discuss the fact that you all were a married couple at all? I'm trying to think. I know, I think one of my first interview sessions, they did um, block or MMI. MMI stations. And I think the first group that I was with was some of the students. 
And we were just talking and then I had mentioned how Brad and I were applying together. And so they asked if he had an interview and I said, he was the next group. And I was like, well, give him a hard time then. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, So that's what they knew. And then I think Dr. Fitch, um, we had an interview session with her. So she had kind of just brought up just more what our goals were kind of at the end of this or like what our plans were, but um, she was very laid back. I think that was something too, just the way Dr. Fitch handles everything really have enjoyed her. And that was also a major thing for us to choose her program um, just because she's so friendly and personable and really likes to make you a part of her school family. Right. Right. So you had this conversation with Dr. Fitch. What was that uh, together? Uh, it wasn't. Um, yeah, yeah, I talked okay. to Dr. Fitch first and then, then uh, yeah. Madison, I think kind of did after. And then we had that um, kind of one of those zoom orientations with other um, prospective students, you know, those online Zoom sessions or informational sessions. So that was probably the first time she had it. We were talking both together. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, cool. So it sounds like what I'm gathering is that your path towards applying, at least to this individual school, was very separate, like happening on the same day, but this was not like a cohesive joint process like you're applying as two individuals and the school was pretty good at keeping things separate yes yeah Yeah. i think so i i think that was a good thing because um you know i don't ever want any biases or anything but you know it's you have 16 spots you know you have to choose the right candidates for that you know and if maybe there's 16 other better students than me and i didn't deserve to be you know you don't want to say oh well they're married they should get a you know they should get a I don't know. Uh, always be paired together. Always be paired together. If one gets in, well, we should give the other one a spot too. It's like, well, right. no, that's not how it should be. Right, but. right. Yeah, it's interesting. When I think back to some other examples, my wife and I, we met in anesthesia school. And so when we were applying for jobs, we obviously wanted to go somewhere together. And we ended up applying where I am at now, which is Maine Medical Center, together. And I mean, Kristen was by far the better student and I'm like, there, she's definitely going to get a job. And so I like hedged, I mean, I hedged my bets and I applied elsewhere locally because I'm like, well, if she gets a job and I don't, <laughs> I got I to gotta figure something out. But that process I think is very different than maybe a school admissions because it's not as intense. Like it's not, you're not, you're not having to meet like regulatory admissions criteria that are pretty high pressured. So, you know, we interviewed together for a job. So put this in your back pocket for when the two of you are interviewing for jobs. We were up, up, you know, forthcoming and upfront about the fact that we were a couple. We were, you don't have this awkward phase that that we were in at the time. We didn't know what to call each other. We were just boyfriend and girlfriend. We're like, that sounds lame. So we were like, (laughs) she's my partner. Hmm." (laughs) You know, we're like, we're partners. And it's like, oh my God, like your boyfriend and girlfriend is fine. It's okay. You know, (laughs) it just didn't seem very official at the time. But anyway, we interviewed together. We, we split during the day and they interviewed both of us individually to get a feel for us individually. We went on an interview dinner together with the team and then we were stoked that they uh, both accepted us into the program. Uh, or not into the program um, as staff CRNA is here. And then the other example I have is that we actually have a, a residency program at Maine Medical Center, and there are there are twin sisters who uh-huh. did undergraduate school together, med school together, and landed their residencies together. And everyone's very concerned. They're like, they're, 
utterly delightful human beings and they're both incredibly bright and you know, are excelling in their, in their residency. But the big split is going to happen this next summer when one goes to fellowship in California and one takes a job in uh, Florida. It's like the first time they've not done pretty much everything together. I mean, they have different families, yeah. different hus- husbands, oh, wow. of course, you know, but, uh, but it's very interesting when you're trying to do something as heavy as anesthesia training with a significant other, or in their case with your twin sister. So, uh, I think it is an interesting story to get out there and, and, and help folks understand. So let's fast forward from the interview day. How did you find out that you were in the program? Um, so we found out shortly after interviews, um, Dr. Fitch actually, she likes to put her personal touch on her program and she actually calls, uh, the individual students to let them know that they were accepted in the program, which I think is a really cool aspect that she does. So it was kind of nice because I'll let Madison weigh in on this portion of it. How was her mom's birthday? Yeah. <laughs> so she calls Brad first, which is good because I'm terrible at answering my phone. Um, so she called Brad and then she asked if I was there. And so she had told both of us over the phone that she would like to extend the offer for us to be in her program. And, and, then, and we had them on speaker with her parents in the room. So I'm like, <laughs> dear God, I hope we both get in. Or she's going to tell us for long. And Madison's like, well, Brad, we've got good news and bad news, buddy. <laughs> Your wife's in the program, but I'm going to slide you to the wait list. Um, so then we just accepted it right there over the phone. And right after that, my mom was so excited because she's just been dying for us to move closer. Because it was about like an eight-hour drive to go home or for them to come see us. So she was so excited for a birthday present that we would only be like two hours from them. Oh, that's so. great. Yeah, that's really nice. So walk us through, if you, if one of you had not got in, what, what would you have done? Would you have gone to another school? Would you have just deferred going? What, what was that decision like for the two of you? Well, I know we had like one more interview that we were both having interviews at. So I feel like maybe if we didn't get in, we would have maybe tried to see if we could get together in that other school. But otherwise, I would have been super excited to move back home even if he was, if Brad was the one who got into the program and then I could just be a mom, he'd go to school and it'd be good. But I don't know. What are your thoughts? You could have packed my lunch every day. <laughs> oh, <laughs> that's definitely how easy being a mom is. You've got plenty of time to pack your husband's lunch. Right, right. <laughs> You're getting some food. <laughs> so Brad, what, what was your thought? Uh, if Madison um, had gotten in, what would you have done? Um, I think I would have just, um, you know, if if we decided to move closer to home still, um, she's smart, so she would have got into every anesthesia program in all 50 states, I'm convinced. <laughs> um, but I think for me, if I didn't get in, you know, I would have just found like a, probably like a, another level one trauma center or, or like a level two somewhere with a good ICU and then, you know, did whatever was needed if to improve, um, my resume if, if needed, um, for that next application cycle. So I would have totally supported her to go into school. And then we could have talked about, you know, if she wanted to become a mom in school, why I wasn't in school, would we wait three years for her to get done or maybe have one year of overlap where she would be finishing up that last year. And that would be my first year starting. So we kind of talked about that, um, aspect as well. If if the, what if case. I think that's a big decision for folks. When I went to school, a classmate of mine, her 
husband was, I want to say two years ahead of us in the program. So he was, we we overlapped by like one semester, but he was graduating essentially when we were starting. And so it was a challenging time for them. I've also seen it locally here with the University of New England. The husband went entirely through school and then the wife followed like with the next starting class. So they had a period of like six years of one of them being in anesthesia school, which sounds atrocious. Whereas <laughs> in, in my program, the, the two couple, they overlapped by one semester, but it was also like, you know, it influenced the graduating CRNA's decision on where to take a job. Like he, he stayed local. Uh, interestingly with the couple here, they, the husband moved to New York city and I think they were closer to family there and then she stayed here in Maine and continued to go to school and would travel home on the weekend. So it was a it was a major disruption to their lives for a, a period of you know an additional three years. So it's you know definitely different strokes for different folks. You got to find the path that works for you. But I'm stoked that the two of you are able to do this together. Thanks. So are we? <laughs> yeah. So let's talk about your experience so far. What has worked uh, and what has not worked so well about being in the program at the same time with each other? Um, I would say we, we get asked all the time, oh, it's got to be great to study with your wife all the time. And I'm like, yeah, we probably see each other more at class than we do at home because I can study with, I have an office in our house and I listen to music, you know, and I can kind of multitask pretty good. But Madison's got to be like caveman style in a cave, dead quiet, nobody can talk to her at all. And that's how she studies. And I'm like, so we're polar opposite in that aspect. So I'm like, yeah, we actually probably do really see each other more at class some, some weeks than, than we do actually in our own house. <laughs> yeah. yeah. We were doing a project together and he had music on and I was like, can you please turn that off? I can't. <laughs> and he's like, no, I can't think without it on. And I was like, oh, all right. Yeah. Yeah. How, so 16 is a pretty small class. How have the other students in your program responded to having the two of you in there as a married couple? Uh, I think pretty good. Um, I would say most of our classmates in general are married. Um, there's a handful that's not, there's a couple that are engaged, but I think overall, I mean, we're, Madison and I are pretty laid back and we like to make friends with everybody. Um, so I think we have great classmates and our class, actually, we were talking to Dr. Fitch this last week about that, about how our class seems very like cohesive group. You know, usually there's multiple people that kind of have some drama going on, but I feel like our class is pretty cohesive to be honest. Yeah. Uh, how are you competitive? Um, I mean, I think we are in like a game or something, but I feel like not really with school. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I feel like we just both want each other to be successful and yeah. help each other in our weak areas. I feel like we both are strong in different areas, which is nice. So if we do have a question, we can ask one, one another about it, which we've done about that just to get like a better explanation. Like I didn't understand this in the PowerPoint or in lecture. Could you help explain it to me a different way? And okay. that's been nice just that we both do better in different areas. Mm-hmm. And that's nice. That way you just have a, another person to like pick their brain about information. Yeah. yeah. And then, um, so anesthesia school is really all consuming for individuals. Like it's a big deal. Uh, I've, I've done podcasts in the past about significant others 
in the anesthesia school process, meaning that like, you know, one person in a couple is going through anesthesia school. And what does that mean for the, for the person who is at home, you know, whether they're uh, a parent with the kids or, you know, just a support network, it can be really, really challenging to have one person in school. So I imagine with how all consuming it is for both of you, how do you find time to maintain your personal relationship and that personal connection when like, most of what you're doing is consumed with anesthesia? And as you said, you're kind of going about that in very different ways. Like you can't really study together because you have different study habits and techniques. You're seeing each other more at class than you are at home, which is not really like where you would normally connect with your partner. So how do you, how do you carve out that personal time to maintain a healthy relationship? Um, I think for us per se, I think we try to balance it around like test weeks, you know, our, our program's pretty front loaded. So that way, once you get to the clinical platform, it's, you're essentially just in clinicals and then, um, like one didactic class for that first. So for that, I guess, semester, that would be five, five and six. So I think us now it's just balancing our time around test weeks and then being able to like go out to dinner hang out, watch a movie or do something at home, just to have some alone time together. Um, usually we try to do that after tests and whatnot, but. Or I feel like we also both like to study till like a certain time of the evening. And then we both are just done studying. We've kind of consumed the amount that we can for the day. And I think just like in the evening being together and just taking time just to be with one another instead of studying all day. I think that's nice. But like you said, we'll try to make plans to go to dinner or even like meet up with classmates too, um, which is nice just to get out and do something different than being at home and studying and still getting to be with together. Yeah. Yeah, totally. What, what tips would you have for other couples who are going through a similar process? I would say like how we don't study together and that's okay. You don't have to be with your partner hundred percent of the time, which I guess that's also kind of more of our personality. We've never been a clean year couple, I guess, if you could say, um, but help each other in your weak areas. If you do notice that they're struggling in some area, just ask if you can help. But sometimes we can get frustrated. You know, if you didn't do as well on an exam or you miss kind of silly questions because you didn't read it right. You know, try to help them understand that. Or if they need to blow off some steam, let them blow it off and be upset about they how they did that. But then that evening, you know, maybe make a dinner and like try to have dinner together or something. But I think just, you know, each other the best that so you know each other's personalities and when they need to be left alone to handle something and when they do need the support. So I think just knowing your partner in that aspect, like when they do or what I need help, I think is nice. Yeah, yeah, I would agree with Madison on that, too. I mean, it's just being open with each other is the best thing, especially like, you know, it's OK if you don't have the same study habits. If you do, great. But there is times where I've jokingly told some of our faculty, like, yeah, well, I guess when Madison and I get in a fight or argument, I'm going to come sleep in your extra bedroom <laughs> at your house, you know, jokingly. But what I think all in all, it's just being open with your partner if you're really wanting to make this next step together, because it is time consuming. Anesthesia school is definitely not easy. And it's just, you have to be well-prepared and have those tough conversations, you know, either per, per, preferably before school, but definitely that first semester once you start and you kind of get a grasp on how things are going and whatnot with each other. Or even when you're applying to schools, like 
have those tough conversations of what if this happens? What if this happens? Like, so you both are on the same level and not you both thinking it'll happen one way, but you've never really discussed it, but you two might have totally different processes of like how you think the future might go. Or if you do want to try to apply to multiple schools, there are some locations that you have some schools within just an hour or two of each other. So if you did live in the middle, then maybe you two could both go to school, but it just wouldn't be at the same program, which would be fine also. But I think it's just like sitting down and having some of those tougher conversations in the beginning while you're applying. And it's okay to be two separate people on paper. Like you want to be two separate people. You want the program to see you separately. Like these are your strong aspects. These are your husband's or wife's strong aspects. And um, stuff like that just I think also having a good application and not applying too early just because your spouse is applying you know if you're not prepared and ready for school then prepare yourself more before you do start and applying yeah that's great advice I think because <clears throat> you may you may meet people you know unlike the two of you you may meet your significant other at a different point in your career compared to their career and so you may be ready to launch into anesthesia school prior to someone else, or you may be in the position where you need to go spend a couple more years in the ICU or, or change hospitals or do something different or follow your spouse wherever they get into school, continue to get ICU experience, and then take your turn and cycle through. What keeps both of you motivated in the program? Um, I would say my biggest motivation is just looking at the end of the tunnel like the lights near it seems crazy to think but anesthesia school does go by fast like we were just talking yesterday actually and how quick this first year went by i'm like i feel like i'm still in anatomy class in semester one still but i'm like we're already you know probably 30 credits in roughly so i'm like this year went by quick and this next may we'll be starting clinical so it's going to be going by even that much quicker where you're actually getting into the OR, putting your hands on patients. And I think that's really what's going to really trigger my motivation even more is once you're actually starting to do the art of anesthesia in the OR, and talking with the patients and then listening to your preceptors and then teaching you and, and whatnot. That's really what I'm looking forward to. And I think that's going to really drive my motivation to be like, all right, we're here. Now it's time to study for boards this last year and graduate. <laughs> yeah. I feel like during the didactic portion, I feel like I just keep looking at clinicals. Like I need to work hard now and know what I need to know now. So when I'm in clinicals, like I feel confident in what I'm doing. Cause I feel like if I am confident and I feel like I have the knowledge going forward, then I feel like I'll, I'll feel better or not as anxious and nervous in clinical. Cause I feel like that's what makes me more anxious is that, not knowing something, which of course we can't know everything and you're never going to know everything, but just, just enough to like help me prepare enough to start clinical in May. I think that's just what helps me going forward. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I think we're, we're probably recording the first in a series of podcasts. We may have to follow Madison and Brad, uh, like a, like a TV drama in touchdown. <laughs> touch touch base with you here in like another year you know when you're in clinical and then after that like where you land after school and how it all 
pieces together. So I think it is obviously important to note that, you know, you're going to start clinical this coming May. That's a whole nother layer of stress and time management that gets challenging uh, once you hit that phase of training. So uh, looking forward, and I don't mean to like tee that up for you, but what are some of your concerns for the rest of your anesthesia training? Um, I would say it's probably the biggest thing is our, our director and clinical director, they're going to try their best to pair us up at the same clinical rotations just to make it easier for us financially um, because some of our um, further clinical rotations don't offer housing. Most do, but some don't. Um, so they're re- really going to try to work with us to do that. But it's like, you know, that may not happen. So we got to really think about, all right, so how are we going to do it financially? Will we have to, you know, um, take out some extra loans that, you know, for that semester um, to do that rotation apart? Should we look at, you know, maybe trying to see if they can move us around to be kind of closer so we can maybe like share housing, you know, even though um, the sites are 30 minutes away from like that central location where man's not going to stay. So I think it's, that's one stressor that I look at um, for myself. No, I would agree with that. Just, you know, I could maybe have a clinical in Illinois and he could be in Kentucky or something like that. Um, So I think we have had good conversations with our clinical director and director about, I mean, she's actually the one that brought it up. Our director had brought it up about trying to keep us together because she knows that is tough just with like financial um, needs and stuff. So I think they're kind of on the same page as us. We know that it's not always feasible to be at the same location, but if it would be nice too. Um, but if not, then I guess I might not see you for a while. <laughs> see you on the weekends. <laughs> yeah. That was one of my other questions for you is, is how's the financial picture looking? Did you save um, a lot ahead of school? Are you floating everything on loans right now? Are you trying to uh, work on the side? Yeah, kind of like a little bit of a mix. Um, we're both not working. Um, we bought a house in Minnesota and we luckily sold at the perfect time with the height of COVID and interest rates being lower. So we were able to make a good profit on our house and have a good kind of not cushion. You can say not a full nest egg. That'd be nice, but a good cushion to be able to, you know, get by on school, pay our rent, pay our, you know, water utilities and whatnot but it's like you know once we get probably to that last year we'll have to take out more loans which is fine you know i mean i think at that point you're kind of like all right we're in that last year let's just do it drive through it and just know kind of the nice thing about you know crna you do have lucrative salaries so it's like all right let's just prepare make sure we both pass boards and we're there and we can worry about paying back the loans after you know yeah but yeah mainly primarily just loans which is not ideal, but you know, it is what you have to do for school. So right. I think it does help though, that it's less stressful knowing that it'll, you can pay it off. You'll make enough of a salary to easily pay them off later. So, yeah. Yeah. And you will, you definitely will. Uh, it sounded like you were both interested in becoming parents at some point. Where is that on the timeline? Um, I would say after graduation, hopefully. Okay. <laughs> okay. Not during school. I think I, we would die if that happened. <laughs> okay. <laughs> we would have like no sleep on things. <laughs> um, our director had, she had a kid during school as a female and she was like, that was one of the hardest things. And she did a two year program. She's like, I really don't recommend it. That's my own opinion. And I was like, I will believe you. Yeah. <laughs> I believe you. <laughs> so 
No, probably after school, hopefully. Yeah, but. that's fair. That's fair. Uh, it's good advice for sure. Having kids just ratchets up the chaos all the way around. People do it. I went to school with a guy that had his third, third or fourth baby, like right before school started his, I think it was his fourth in school. And then his fifth, like right when they were graduating, I mean, he was just like having babies. And every time you talk to him, he is, you know, his wife stayed at home to raise the clan and he was just so stressed out, but it also channeled his motivation because there was no option to fail. Like it he, oh, yeah. he had to be successful, you know? So um, he definitely was, was hyper-focused and, and was very successful in school. So, uh, and then what are your long-term plans? Where would you like to land after school? Is that up in the air? Do you want to stay around the Evansville area? Um, yeah. So actually it's kind of far out, but we already actually accepted jobs, um, locally to around our hometowns, um, at a, at a good facility, nice size hospital, um, about 30 minutes from where Madison grew up in Illinois. And it's about an hour from where I grew up in Illinois. Um, I just, uh, reached or one of my buddies that I went to nursing school with, he was three years older than me. Um, he's actually chief there and he actually reached out and we discussed it with him and he was like, I would love for you to come check out our practice, meet the team and just tell me what you guys think. He's like, He's like, I have two people that are two CRNAs that are going to be retiring in December of 2025 when you guys graduate. So he's like, we don't really have many openings in the group because they stay pretty well staffed, surprisingly, and all the anesthesia shortage out there right now. But it just kind of worked out. We went and um, talked with them, checked out the practice, and we really enjoyed it. And we're like, you know, this is a very good opportunity for us um, because it's kind of what we exactly wanted. Um, because we looked at, you know, just pay wise location, um, hours and starting a family and what shifts we could have. So yeah, Brad's doing 24s and I'll do 12s, but I don't have to work nights, weekends or holidays and I don't have to take calls. So I was like, that would be really good. If we start a family that we don't have to worry about someone just like leaving in the middle of the night and worrying about who's watching the kids or something like that. So, and luckily the nice thing is our our school actually signed a uh, clinical contract with them. So we'll actually be able to kind of do some onboarding um, clinicals there, you know, towards the end of our, um, our senior year rotation and be able to kind of do some onboard training and also finish up our schooling there, which will be nice Nice, to kind of be able to seamlessly transition to the scariness of being new CRNAs. (laughs) Right. Yeah, well, congratulations on that. That's definitely nice to have that uh, taken care of. Yeah, and that's kind of back to that motivation you brought up. You know, that's kind of like our motivation. Like we already kind of, you know, have have our plans set. So it's like, all right, let's get these plans done and make sure we actually do it. Right. How big is the group? Uh, I want to say they have 26 CRNAs. Yeah. So we've been expanding because the hospital started um, – to hire some more surgeons and so they're redoing a bunch of the ors and stuff like that so yeah we'll be bigger probably by the time we get there mm-hmm. but right right well is there anything else that the either of you would like to say before we close out uh what, what are we going to call this um part one of the brad and madison story i think so um i would just say you know i mean if there's any couples out there that are looking to apply into anesthesia school together i mean madison and i can 
um, hook you up, John, with our contact info. So if people have any questions, they can just shoot us an email um, just to get some more information if they want to. But I definitely think the biggest thing is sitting down, having those tough conversations about where you're going to apply, what the what ifs, if both get in, don't get in, one gets in, one not. I think that is step one of the process of both trying to go to school together, whether you're married, your boyfriend, girlfriend, or partner, um, or whichever. I think that's that's definitely step one that they need to complete in the process of applying. And I think just both being prepared, like mentally and with your application to apply, because you can only be as successful as what you have been to hopefully get in together. So, Yeah, that's great. That's great advice. Well, Madison, Brad, thank you so much. I'm stoked to chat with you. And I think uh, if you're into it, I would love to follow up with you a little bit further down the road and check in and see how things are going. Uh, yeah, we would love that too. It'd be cool to kind of, for us too, to circle back one day also and review these ourselves. Like, oh, wow, what's, what's changed since last time we talked to John? You know, maybe, maybe we changed, you know, and it'll be fun. It'll be definitely curious to see what part two brings. Yeah, you're on the, you're on the path for sure. So um, I love where your heads are at. I think you have a great perspective on your futures. I'm thrilled that it seems like the doors keep opening for the two of you and you're able to do this together and uh, you're able to do this before kids. It's huge to get that out of the way if possible. And uh, and then you can shift gears and focus on you know starting that family down the road. So uh, best wishes and good luck along the way. And we'll definitely check in and see how things are going maybe um, several months into the clinical phase. See if you've got any other tips or perspectives that you've gleaned. Yeah, I think that sounds great with us. We look forward to it. Cool. All right, y'all. Talk to you soon. All righty. Thanks, John. What up, y'all? I wanted to drop a reminder that if you're a CRNA looking for a great team to invest yourself in your career in, check us out at Maine Medical Center in Portland, Maine. While the clinical opportunities will challenge you and the location is one of the best, our people and sense of community are truly what set us apart. Reach out if you want to learn more.